Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I have no idea what they're doing in other churches, and I have no interest in going. So this is good stuff right here, amen. My goodness. Well, hey, good to see you, church. Boy, it is good to see you. Thank you for your commitment, especially at 9 o'clock. I just love you for that. Sun's getting slower and slower to rise. I like it to come up early. So uh, I thank you for your commitment at 9 o'clock. I really do. Hey, let me say one thing real fast before I jump in. Uh, We're about five weeks away from um, what's normally a marriage retreat, but Glorietta closed the house, so it's a marriage conference this year. So it's a one-day deal. It's on Saturday. It's right here at our house. And so I want to speak to my couples and those who are married. Please, please take advantage of that. Please. One day, one day, not even a full day. Be done by two, okay? All right? 50 bucks. The greatest 50 bucks you will ever invest is in your marriage. I promise you. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. So fight of your life. That's the series we jumped into last week. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, please go there. Get your word out. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Last week I made, uh, I started with just that one verse. And and let me go ahead and tell you that through this series, uh, we're going to eat an elephant. But we're going to do it one bite at a time. All right? I am trying to not give you too much Okay, if you, if you have small children, every baby will grow up and love a ribeye. But you got you to gotta start with smashed peas and sweet potatoes first, amen, and then graduate into that. So we're going to take an elephant. We're going to take it one bite at a time. If I gave you the whole elephant, it'd choke you out, all right? So my job is to give you nuggets that, you, that will stick And you can live out, not a whole bunch of information you can drown in. That makes sense? So we're going to have nuggets. I hope you like nuggets. We're going to get little bites at a time so they'll stick. So I started in verse 10 last week. I want to begin there. I'm going to begin there each week as we go. But we're probably going one verse at a time. Today we're going one verse. We're going on verse 11. But starting verse 10, uh, we started last week. Finally, we understand now that that is a big finally, okay, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, text today, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're going to get to the armor in a couple of weeks. We'll put it on piece at a time, okay? I don't want to camp there, all right? We're going to talk about how to stand and, and when you've done everything, to stand. We'll get there. But today I want to talk about one particular thing, and that is the devil's schemes. I'm going to tell you right now, just like uh, your parents taught you when you started dating, if you were a girl, watch out for those boys that are schemers. 
all right? Let me see. Watch out for those girls that are schemers, amen? So let's share the love. But I'm going to tell you something. Our, our God is an awesome God, and the devil knows it, and he is sneaky, and he's sly, he's a snake, and he's schemer. There is devil schemes being laid everywhere. Some of them have really good words to describe them, okay? There are schemes laid today in this season that we're walking through in the name of health and safety that I'm not real sure if you dig a little bit, it's not the devil's schemes, and I'm not going to go there. I'm just telling you the schemes don't always show themselves by their names. If it was that easy, we would recognize it a lot more. It's very subtle. It's very sneaky. The schemes that he lays for you and I are very subtle. They're very sly. Their names sometimes look inviting, but when we get through it, we go, ooh, that was bad. That was bad. If you listen to any of the RNC this week, there was a guy that spoke, I believe, on Wednesday. His name was Jack Brewer. He said his grandmother taught him this, that when God starts blessing, the devil starts messing. <laughs> That's pretty good, huh? That'll stick. When God starts blessing, the devil starts messing. Anybody in here understand and been there? When God starts blessing, the devil starts messing. Anybody in here get close to God and God's, the devil start messing with you? I'm going to tell you, the, the closer you get to the Lord, the more intentional you get in him, the more the enemy's going to come messing with you. You may tell you what you say to the enemy, thank you. That's what you say with a little bit of an attitude, and you can move your head if you need to. That is a flat-out compliment when the enemy comes chasing you because you're chasing God. And don't you take it like a wet pretzel. I mean, you got to give it back to him. Return the sender, amen. You got to give it back to him. There's too many Christians that I have met in my life that they press in the God, and here comes the enemy, starts messing with them, and they go, oh, enemy got me, enemy found me, he's going to take me out, uh, what's the point? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When, when, when God starts blessing and the devil starts messing, that's when you find fifth gear, amen. That's when you go where you ain't never been before. That's when you turn it on. So what is a scheme or schemes? They're carefully arranged and systematic plan of action for attaining some object or an end. They are a very carefully laid, systematic attempt to get an object or to get an end. Can I go ahead and tell you right now, as a born-again child of, the God, of God, you are the object that the enemy has in his sights. If you think that, <laughs> if you think that all that lion wants to do is cuddle, whoo, you about to get your chili smoked. He ain't there to snuggle. He's not a blanket on a cold winter day, all right? He doesn't ever come to your house to knock and say trick-or-treat. He wants to enter and eat it all. Don't, don't kid yourself. I know believers are like, 
the devil, he's not that bad. He's my friend. I, 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 he has a, I put him in his place. You, you can't put him there. Jesus can put him there. You battle with your name, he comes faster. You battle in the name of Jesus, he runs like a chicken. Some of us fight with the wrong name, man. He doesn't care about your biceps, but he really cares about Jesus' biceps. I'm just telling you. He will lay schemes to get you, and he's so subtle with it. I'm going to walk you through one that happened to me personally, and I think we've all kind of been in some situations like this. So when we got ready, my, my scenario to coming out to the panhandle was uh, simply a pastor here in Amarillo got in touch with three of my buddies or, or, or people on his staff, bumped into people, and they gave him my name. All three people gave him my name. And so he calls me out of the blue, Dr. Coffey did, at, at, when I was at, uh, at that time at St. Santa Baptist Church. He said, uh, I want you to come be my youth pastor. We had been in Longview, Texas, moved back to Longview, Melissa's hometown. Uh, we'd been there only about two and a half years, all right? We were at a rocking great church, man. My first experience with a Spirit-filled Baptist church. Kid you not, it, 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 is, it, it, it can happen, Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I'll say that next time on TV. But here's the deal. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, so we were at a great church. So he, he calls me. He calls me up and he says, uh, you, you're supposed to come be my youth pastor. And I said, nah, nah, I'm not going to Amarillo. Mm -mm. I don't know anybody in Amarillo. He says, well, I'm going to call you back. I want you to pray about it, but I'm going to call you back and, and, and just check on you. I said, that's fine. That dude calls me every week for about two and a half months. I told him the same thing every time. So it's about a week before Thanksgiving, he calls me up and he says, hey, um, I know you've told me no. I said, a bunch. And he said, but I bought you a Southwest Airlines plane ticket and I'll buy you dinner at the Texan. I want you to fly out here the Friday after Thanksgiving and meet my staff. <laughs> that dude is persistent, man. So I told Melissa, I said, if I don't go out there, he's not going to stop calling. So I get on a plane, and I've told you, when you fly in Amarillo from the east, just not very inviting, I'm telling you. <laughs> Modern-day Iraq, I'm like, what the heck? All right. so, so we come in to Amarillo, and we land, and, he, and they, a, a guy on the staff picks me up. We go back to Coral Creek, and we meet the staff. We go to the big Texan that night for dinner, and everybody's talking to me. I, I'm staying at a hotel room uh, right across from BSA. I believe it's the best Western Inn right there on Coulter. And, and I go to bed, and I mean in the middle of the night, I'm talking 2.30, 3 o'clock, I get sick as a dog. If you know me, I don't get sick. I mean, I flat out hardly ever get sick, all right? And so I'm laying there sick as a dog, that kind of sick that you have to go back and forth to the bathroom at just crazy times. I mean, like, do I sleep in here or do I try to go to bed? You know, that kind of thing. And so the next day, all I'm supposed to do is get on a plane, which is not what you need to have when you get on a plane. Pity the fool who follows you in an ad restroom, all right? But, <laughs> sorry. But, but so that's all I got to do. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I, I'm flying back home, and my, and my whole thought while I was laying in that bed and, and, and flying back was that, that, man, I'm not supposed to come out here. That's God getting me sick to tell me, don't come. But how many of you know there's a 
different way you can spin that. What if it's the enemy trying to keep me from what God wants? See, be careful how we interpret things. Systematic, intentional plan laid out to do what? To get the object, Jeff, or to an end, to kill, steal, and destroy. Turns out, my job at that moment was to go deeper than the virus in my gut and to seek the voice of the Father. God, what are you saying about this? And I heard this. I'm not in this sickness. That's not for me. What I have for you, if I told you now, it would scare you to death. I get home and I'm a big chicken. And the first time back, first day back, I don't tell my wife anything. Because how am I supposed to tell my wife we're about to go to Amarillo, Texas and leave all of her grandparents, her parents, her sister, her family? So the big chicken's on a walk the next day with Brett and Allie and my wife. And my wife says, are you ever going to talk to me about your trip? And then she says this, I already know we're going. I had a piece before you left. If you're married, talk to your wife about what God's speaking to you about. I guarantee it's going to be the same. You see, I've heard people say this, well, I have this opportunity, and I put, we put our house on the market, and it sold that day. It must be God. Could be God. We left El Dorado, Arkansas, knowing we heard from God to go to Longview, Texas, and our house, like, never sold. We leave Longview, Texas to come to Amarillo, Texas, and it sold in a day and a half and would have sold the day of, but he missed us by 30 minutes. We, came, we went to lunch. We came home. We stuck a sign in the yard. We gathered around it, and we prayed. The couple drove by 30 minutes before that. The next day, they drove back by. I saw the sign. They said, that sign wasn't in the yard yesterday afternoon. It was about 2 o'clock. Well, we drove by about 1.30, didn't see it. We'd have bought it then. My wife and I and our family were supposed to go from El Dorado, Arkansas to Longview. That was God's will too, but it took longer. But we were supposed to go from Longview, Texas to Amarillo, Texas, and the house sold fast. People say, well, everything that happens like that must be of God. Well, you're telling me when your house takes 9, 10, 12 months, two years to sell, it's not of God? So everything easy is from God, but everything hard is not from God? There's some people in the Bible needing an apology from God. <laughs> Am I the only one missing some of this Bible? Job, Job's like, I need an apology. Abraham's like, do you know how old I was before I had a kid? That was a long time. That was hard. Children of Israel, I thought you loved us, God. I mean, there's a lot of people in the Bible that needs an apology if that's the case. Be careful what you interpret. The devil is a schemer, man. He's a schemer. He's a schemer. He's a schemer. The devil has schemes to catch you, kill you, destroy you. Be careful how you interpret things. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this, the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. Woo! 
Somebody better bet the big boy pants on now. That's why Paul said, why are you still on the bottle after all this time? You should be eating meat and potatoes and stick to your rib kind of stuff. Listen, baby bottle food's gonna make you fall for the trap of a masquerade of an angel of light. You better come over here and put your big boy pants on and get some steak and potatoes and add a little gravy to it because you're gonna have to eat some word to be able to separate from the schemes the devil lays for you. Sometimes the names of the traps even look inviting. I don't have time to go there. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I want you to show me in your Bible where it says that he is looking for someone to lick. I'm telling you, there are believers that think he's just a sweet little dude. He ain't sweet. He ain't there to lick you. That's your puppy. Let the puppy lick you. Lion's not going to lick you. He's going to show you the teeth and then put them on you, all right? He's looking for someone to devour. Please, if you've not sold yourself this, this information yet, sell it now. The enemy wants to kill me. The enemy wants to kill me. John 10, 10, if you need more proof, the thief comes, and he tells you why he comes. He says, I come only what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, listen to me, don't be fooled. This is why the lion roars and roams. This is what he came for. They, they, he comes only for this, but I come for this. I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I came to give you everything that I have and more because I'm crazy about you, my child. Schemes can come in all shapes and sizes. Oh, yes, they can. Listen to me. They can come from all directions. And schemes can come in all seasons of life. Can I tell you that you don't get too old for the schemes of the devil? There's not a maturity age to the schemes of the devil. He is out to get you. If you have been at anywhere around what's going on in this world today, you are looking at a whole bunch of schemes. There's a whole bunch of schemes out there. And I'm telling you, I, I'm listening to people who I know beyond a shadow of a doubt are born again child of the king, and they are speaking from some of these schemes and falling for some of these schemes. Mm. I told you months ago, a very important question to ask moving forward is, Father, what are you saying about this? What are you saying about this? So you got schemes that are laid by the enemy. We know they're set up. They, we know they're there. Here's a question that I want you to ask yourself. What part do I play in the schemes? What part do I play in the schemes? I want you to go to James. 
Go to James chapter one. Look at verse 13. James one, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Watch verse 14. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. There are schemes, and then there are parts that we play in those schemes when we are dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. I've taught this before with this worm, and I'm going to teach it again. Can y'all see this worm? Some of you can probably see this worm. It's my pink shirt. This is an artificial plastic fake worm. It's used to catch bass. All right? It can catch a lot of lily pads and moss, too, if not properly put on a hook. All right? <laughs> you won't fish long if you, if you do that every time you cast. So you've got to put this hook in this worm in a way that the hook is not visibly dis, uh, obvious so that when you drag it and dance it and bebop it through the lily pads and moss and grass, it doesn't get hung up. It just nice and smooth goes through them. So that big old bass that's laying there, he thinks, hmm, that sucker looking good. And he can't stand the temptation every time you dance it in front of him. Now, I want you to understand something. We are a whole lot like bass because bass are provided by God with shad and minnows and, and, and lots of mosquitoes that land on water and different other moths and grasshoppers and locusts and all kinds of things. Big bass wear them out. But if a bass gets too big for his britches or too content and he doesn't eat properly off what God provides, he can be laying there on his little, um, basically on his bed there, and you dance this artificial fake stuff in front of him, and if he looks at it long enough, he'll convince himself that it's the real deal, and he'll reach out and bite it. The problem is this. He gets one chance to bite that because he does not know what's inside that worm. What's inside that worm is a hook, and as soon as that fisherman hears, feels that worm being popped, then he sets the hook. When that hook goes through the roof of his mouth, the only thing he has to look forward to is called a live well, it's called a knife to skin him. It's called a pan with some grease in it and some ketchup to put on the plate. He's done, all right? He's done, why? Because every, every, every scheme has a hook. You just don't know it. Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Every time. But here's the deal, bass. A well-fed, nourished, satisfied bass in the Word will never be tempted by fake, plastic, artificial worms. Won't. A bass and a human that doesn't eat regularly or properly will always want to snack on the world. You snack on the world, and the world becomes your appetite. There'll be hooks in there that'll catch you and take you where you never thought you'd be. 
Never. You say, well, if you're a believer, does it help? <laughs> yes, but it's not a guarantee because a believer must stay well-fed and well-nourished because if they get hungry and they start looking for appetite to be satisfied somewhere else, there's plenty of schemes by the devil laying around. Do you know that every one of us in this room has a personal tackle box? You do. Inside your tackle box are beautiful things that God has given you because we're fishers of men. We're called to catch men, fish for men. But inside your tackle box is some lures that the enemy knows that'll catch you to keep you from being a fisher of men. See, I know what my lure is. The most important thing in life is to know what your lure is. I know what the lure is that the enemy can put on my fishing pole and dance in front of me and suck me away. He can get me with this lure, okay? I know what it is. You have to know your lure. Do you know your lure? Do you? Because if you don't know your lure, you're more apt to bite at it. But if you know what your lure, because your mind of Christ and the spirit of the Lord will say, that's a fake lure fed to you by the enemy, reject it. Reject it. Listen, if you can bite the lure of the enemy, will you ever be a fisher of men? <laughs> nope, you won't. You'll be a tackle box of men. You'll be in a live well for a man, all right? You must know your lure because the enemy knows the lure to put on to catch you. He's always trying to catch you. He's always trying to catch you. We gotta keep rolling. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation, okay? No temptation has seized you except which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It didn't say any, you will not be tempted. You'll be tempted, but, but you can handle it, okay? But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When I was teaching students for all those years, I used to tell students this, listen to me. On Friday and Saturday night, when you go on a date and you go back home, do not hover. Everything that hovers runs out of gases and crashes. There's never been a plane that hovers that can stay in a hover mode forever. You run out of gas, you crash. You get the fat out. You drop them at the door, you give them a smooch, and you leave. That's it. There are individuals that believe they can get really, really close to something without touching it. Don't do that. The enemy will suck you in because he's sly. No temptation will, see, will come under you or come over you that you can't handle. Not you can handle, Jesus can handle. Because verse 10 says you must be in Christ. When you're in Christ, you have the power through the Holy Spirit to recognize it and get the fat out. But if you hover, you're gonna be in trouble. There ain't a man or woman alive that can hover and stay above it. You can't hover. You can't hover. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good, good character. Some of us, some of us are drawn away. Some of us are drawn away, why? Because of bad company. 
some of our lures that the enemy knows that he needs to put on our tackle box is individuals of bad company. Matthew chapter four, this is the chapter in Matthew about the temptation of Jesus. In this particular passage, Jesus has been on a 40-day fast, 40 days, 40 nights, he's been on a fast. The enemy takes him out to the wilderness to tempt him. There's three different temptations that happen. He says to, he says to Jesus, Jesus, take these stones. If you are God, you turn these stones into bread. I know you're hungry, so take these stones and turn them into bread. And God says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Isn't that really funny that, that the enemy tries to tempt the word with the word? That's how stupid he is, right? He t- he's trying to tempt Jesus who became the word and is the word with the word. So let me ask you a question. If the enemy will use the word against Jesus, won't he use it against you? Be careful how he uses the word, subtle, subtle. Then he takes him to a big tower on top of the temple. He says, if you're God, throw yourself off. And I'm sure the angels will swoop in and they'll catch you before you strike the ground. Jesus said, the word says, do not test God. Do not test God. Let me tell you a very interesting part of that passage right there. You know the reason the enemy doesn't push him? You ever thought about that? Why didn't the enemy at that point, why didn't he just push Jesus off the temple? very interesting, very important for you to get. The enemy does not have that authority. I want you to watch something. You are a born-again child of the king if you've been saved. You are under the blood, okay? You have authority, okay, in Christ. The enemy, because you're in Christ, has no authority over you. The enemy can't make a believer do anything. A believer must make that choice to walk past Jesus and do it. Many of you are struggling with the fact that the enemy is making you do bad things. The enemy will not do that. The enemy will set you up and then you will choose. But if you have the Holy Spirit fire burning inside of you. The Holy Spirit will call that for what that is, and the authority that you have in Christ, you will not do that. Passover, they put blood over the door. Why? So the death angel passed by. Is the blood over you? The final word is the blood on your life. That's the power. You got the blood over you, he passed right by you. He'll mess with you, but your authority in Jesus' name stops it, not your authority in your name. Don't mess with the ponders. Excuse me? You're a senior pastor. I'm coming like a wild man after you. In Jesus' name, go next door. All right, I got to go next door. See the difference? My name has nothing. Jesus' name has everything, everything. Then he takes him on a high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms, And he says, if you bow down to me, I'll give all this to you. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
I don't need all this. I have the kingdom. I don't need your kingdoms. I have all of the kingdoms. Listen to me, believer. You're, you're a king's kid. You don't need what the world gives you or offers you because you got better. You got better. You have all the authority in Jesus' name. Can I ask you how long it's been since you prayed like you have power and like you have authority in Jesus' name? How many dads in here are praying over their marriage and their families and their homes and their kids in the name of Jesus? When you pray like that, my friend, the enemy, the death angel who wants to come kill, steal, and destroy will pass by. In Jesus' name, it is time for the church to start fighting. And it's time to start fighting, not in your name, not in your reputation, not in your uh, GQ look, okay, but in the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The most important thing in this whole series goes all the way back to verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. If you are in the Lord, you are in Jesus, and because you're in Jesus, you have authority. You have power. The Holy Spirit's mighty power lives inside of you. You've got to start living out, walking out, living in that authority. When you do that, your life has power, and it changes things. When we start praying as a nation in the name of Jesus, things move. I'm just telling you. You can't pray some little Sunday school prayer about blessing your green beans and chicken nuggets. Now, that's a sweet prayer for a three-year-old, but at 33, you got to kick some butt in prayer, and you got to pray it in Jesus' name, amen? Power, power. How many of us are praying powerful prayers in Jesus' name? Some of us are praying things that if it happened, we wouldn't know it because it's so simple and mundane, it wouldn't be recognizable. Once you pray that a mountain moves and see if it moves, then everybody knows. What are you praying for? What are you speaking for? What are you wrestling with? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as we enter a time of ministry, I want three things for you to kind of think about this morning. Three things. Number one, and you can't get away from it, if the most powerful name is Jesus, the most important thing is that we're in Jesus. Because we can't pray in Jesus' name if we're not in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask again, and I want you to answer the question, are you in Christ? Number two, are you being dragged away and enticed by your own evil desires? If so, is the schemes the enemy lays for you recognizable, but you're not in a place to win because your evil desires dragged you away? It's called repentance. You need to repent of that, all right? You need to repent of that. And simply last is this. Are you walking and praying and living in the authority that you have in Christ? Are you? Take back the turf the enemy's trying to win. That's what he's trying to do. Every th scheme he lays is to get turf in your life. In Jesus' name, take it back. Take it back. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me.
this morning as we worship, I simply want you to deal with those three questions. Am I in Christ? Am I? Not only am I in Christ, but if I am in Christ, am I filled with the Holy Spirit power in Christ? Am I being dragged away and enticed that I need to repent? And am I living in the authority that I have in Christ Jesus? Father, this morning, you have spoke, no doubt. What the church must do moving forward is to understand the power is in the name of Jesus, not in the nation and you live in. The power is in the name of Jesus, not the church you attend. Father, may we start living in the authority that we have in Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray right now as we worship that you will move your church in any of those three areas, God. For your glory and your honor. Amen, amen. You come if you need to come, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.